What's up, coaches? Cold out there. You're locked in to keep your pads down. The podcast for all things D-line play. Wherever you are listening to us today, you're probably cold. Uh, But thank you for checking us out anyway. We're coming to you from the freezing cold northeast corner of Texas on what is episode number 93 of our podcast here. I mean, hey, your boy uh, Punxsutawney Phil or whatever that dude's name is, hey, he, he tried to tell us. Uh, my man saw his shadow, bebop back into his hole, which I, I guess meant that not only is winter hanging around for six more weeks, but it's uh, it's dropping a people's elbow on us this weekend and, and this week and bringing some uh, single-digit temperatures and snow uh, here to Texas and really all, all over the south, which is you know a big deal for us down here. Uh, you guys up north can make fun of us all you want, how we make a big deal out of a couple inches of snow and we can't drive in the ice. You know, we cancel things because of sleet. You know, that's fine. Y'all can chuck it up, but hey, your Mexican food sucks. All right? So anyway, have your cold weather. That's cool. Anyway, yeah, it, it is cold outside, but let me tell you about something that is white hot right now. And that is our new sponsor, Our Coaching Network. I see that was a pretty good segue you got in there. Now, Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday nights, and will have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year, with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. Great stuff on tap for this week's clinics, starting with Tuesday night from 7 to 8 Central with my man, Coach Jonathan Darby, who coaches DBs for us here at Pleasant Grove. Uh, He is a... Actually filling in for, for for Wyoming linebacker coach Aaron Bowl, who had to reschedule. But, man, I'm telling you what, uh, Coach Darby is not your typical fill-in. He is a ball coach. Uh, seriously, there, there aren't many dudes that I've learned more from uh, in, in, in this coaching profession than him. And so he's going to be talking Tuesday night on DB play about disguising coverages. Uh, so that's, that's one you're definitely going to want to catch. And then on Wednesday night, you can check out Chaffee College offensive coordinator Artie Allen, who's going to be presenting on Inside Zone Game with RPO tags. And that's going to be from 7 to 8 Central as well. Finally, on Thursday night, February 18th, you've got the GA Talks with Jonathan Krause from Oregon talking wide receiver play, followed by Luke Carazzola from UConn talking some D-line play. So, again, that'll be from 7 to 8 Central as well. Now, you can get your free month membership with our coaching network by registering at the link in the show notes of this episode. You can also find that link on our Twitter page as well. Now, if you're a coach looking to learn more football and network within the coaching community, and maybe you don't want to get out this offseason and go to an in-person clinic, well, then here you go. Our Coaching Network is your answer. Sign up today. Now, before I move on, I will tease uh, one more thing that we have in the works. We here at, at Keep Your Pads Down will be collabing with Our Coaching Network this spring to bring you an awesome virtual event that you will definitely want to get in on if you are a D-line coach. Uh, More about that in the future, but that's going to be something late March that you're really going to want to check out. So again, use the link in the show notes to get a free month of access to our coaching network. Follow us on Twitter at KYPD Podcast, where you can find the link as well. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast lately and you've heard me talk about GoEdit Graphics, and we are proud to be partnering with them this season. So what GoEdit Graphics does is allow any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. So even if you're the old dude on your staff who, who still wears the uh, the double button bike shorts and 
doesn't know anything about Snapface or Tic Tac, even you can still create awesome-looking graphics with GoEdit. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes. Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Now, here's something cool that GoEdit is doing for KYPD listeners. Mention Keep Your Pads Down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEditGraphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. You can check out our Twitter page as well for graphics that we have created uh, using GoEdit to promote our episodes each week. Okay, now let's get to today's guest. Today, I'm honored to be joined by a high school defensive line coach and just named defensive coordinator out of the DFW area. Today, I'm talking with Denton Ryan, defensive coordinator and defensive line coach, Aaron De La Torre. Coach De La Torre and the Raiders just wrapped up a perfect 16-0 record en route to their second straight state championship appearance and first state title since 2002. Coach De La is in his second stint at Denton Ryan, where he coaches defensive line, a position he's held since 2018. Prior to his current stint at Ryan, Coach De La served as the head football coach his alma mater there at Irving High School in Irving, Texas, a position he held for six seasons, leading the Tigers to the playoffs in 2013. Before his time at Irving, Coach De La spent the 2009, 10, and 11 seasons at Denton Ryan, where he helped the Raiders to a state championship runner-up finish in 2010 and coached the number one consensus player in the nation in defensive end Mario Edwards Jr., now of the Oakland Raiders. Coach De La began his coaching career at his college alma mater there at Stephen F. Austin State University, where he served as the assistant defensive line coach in 2006 before coaching the running backs in 2007 and 2008. Coach De La lettered in football and wrestling in high school at Irving and then earned a scholarship at Stephen F. Austin, where he was a four-year starter for the Lumberjacks in all-conference in 1997. Coach De La signed as a free agent with the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys and played a season with the Scottish Claymores of NFL Europe before beginning his coaching career. Now, in our conversation today, Coach Daylight and I do a deep dive in his coaching progression for the Raiders' defensive line, which places a premium on the fundamental skills of playing the position. Now, if you want to see the video of our conversation today, complete with slides and game film, you can check out that on our YouTube channel, a link to which can be found on our Twitter feed or in the show notes of today's episode. Coach Daylight is extremely knowledgeable and personable, and, and I really enjoyed talking with him. Uh, D- Denton Ryan has been good on the defensive line for a long time, and, and no doubt they have some freaky dudes if you've seen them play. But watching them on tape and hearing Coach Daylight talk, you know it's clear to see that those guys are, are well-coached and just flat-out get after it, in addition to being genetic freaks. But with all that being said, let's, uh, let's go ahead and dive into our conversation today. Here is Coach Aaron De La Torre on episode number 93 of Keep Your Pads Down. Coach Daylight, first of all, I want to uh, to thank you for coming on and joining us today. Secondly, congratulations on an unbelievable year for you guys. You know, an undefeated uh, run through a state championship is, is just an unbelievable accomplishment. So, congratulations. Well, I appreciate it. It's been a it's been a hell of a year. This, you know, in addition to all the constraints we have from a societal standpoint with with all the illnesses surrounding COVID and then the uh, restrictions we're surrounding COVID and the timelines, the pushbacks. It's been, uh, if, the, if there's ever been a time I, I didn't want to be a head coach, 
this is probably it. And I really feel for my brothers that are out there having to deal with this on a day in and day out. This is the time people probably relish in being a position coach. So, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, but it was an unbelievable season. And I, and I can't even begin to, we're still smiling ear to ear about how, uh, great of an opportunity this was for us. This is my, this is my third state championship while I've been here at Ryan and we finally got, you know, we we're able to get the monkey off the back and get this thing done. So we're just elated. Well, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. You know, obviously, uh, you know, for those of you, for people who followed you guys, uh, I think y'all played in the game after us last year in 2019 versus Shadow Creek. And, and that one was one where you guys came up, you know, painfully short. And so now to come all the way back this year and, and run the table, like you said, in the midst of, uh, you know, all of these COVID protocols and, and, you know, and I'm sure there was a lot of uncertainty like there was across the whole state and really the whole nation. So just talk about, you know, maybe the most, what was the most difficult part of this year, you know, having to go back and, and try to repeat and get, get all the way back, you know, through all of the, the, the stuff that you guys had to go through. Can you do it again? And uh, the uh, re the realignment, the uh, you know that with it coming out and us having to go through region two, uh, region two of course is, in my opinion, one of the toughest of all high school football. Uh, it was clearly evident in our, you know, we had seven former, uh, we had seven teams that had either played in a state championship or won a state championship in our region, and that was Lone Star, Lufkin. College Station, Highland Park, Denton Ryan, Longview, and I'm forgetting one, but the, the, it was a, there was one other one. And, um, you know, for us, we just wanted to go game by game and uh, do everything we can to make ourselves get better and be very critical of what we do and how we do it. And, um, you know, we went through that gauntlet of three games in a row. 2018, we beat uh, – or the 2018 state champ, College Station, we beat them. 2018 state champ, Longview, we beat them. 2018 state champ, Highland Park, who had beat us, we beat them. So we were just trying to go, you know, one at a time, and we knew we had a tough road, and every one of those games were just unbelievable games. Great games, great atmospheres, everything was just um, such a, uh, you know, I just, it, it was weird in preparation because normally you get Christmas break off and we're working well past Christmas. Yeah. And that, that in itself, I am completely amazed with our kids and the resiliency of our kids to be able to go. Not one complaint, not one uh, kid missing during Thanksgiving, during Christmas break. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And uh, playing on New Year's Day and, and, then, and then the following week, you know, the state championships or uh, the semifinals and then the state championship. I mean, it was just long. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we counted over 30 weeks. But let me tell you what, it's 30 of the best weeks of my life because I've chased a ring personally um, my entire athletic career as a player and as a coach. And finally getting this one and just to do it with my sons was just a great thing. Yeah, it was – It was. you mentioned playing on uh, – did you guys play on Christmas Day or the day after Christmas? We played the day after Christmas and – On a Saturday. Yeah, and New Year's Day. Yeah, so, you know – for coaches who've ever, you know, for coaches who've been in those Thanksgiving week games, usually, you know, that Friday after Thanksgiving, that's traditionally kind of a, a tough game for guys because, you know, even if you try to keep things as normal as you can throughout that week, 
there's still a little bit of, it seems like in the games that I've been in, it's always a little bit of a sluggish start or something you haven't overcome. And so I just thought about that on, on uh, Christmas day or actually the day after Christmas watching high school football uh, on TV. And I thought, man, that's gotta be really tough to get those guys back refocused and then turn around and do it again the next week for new year's day. I'm sure that had to be really, really difficult. It was, we have a saying around here that, you know, from a playoff perspective, there's no turkeys after Thanksgiving. And then on the flip side, this year after playing after Christmas, you know, Coach Hennigan's like, I'm coining a new phrase. There's no presents after Christmas, you know. So, <laughs> you know, we were just coming up with all these things just yeah. to kind of keep the kids uh, in tune with what we had. But, you know, honestly, everybody talks about how great of a time it is. It, the biggest thing is it's a mental grind. I mean, you guys, you know that by winning a state championship and playing all the way that you've played as well. But teams that have never done that, that's where I feel like we get an edge because it's an expectation for us. It's not uh, – if you're not passing, playing past Thanksgiving, then something's wrong. Something's right. happening. And uh, our kids, just they, they expect that. So let's back up now and, and, and you just kind of tell us, you know, how this whole coaching thing got started for you and, and what that process has been like. Yeah, so I, I uh, grew up in Irving, Texas, played at Irving High School. Uh, my head high school coach was Jim Bennett, who's like a father to me. And uh, from, you know, when I was getting recruited out of high school, I'm the first person ever in my entire family to graduate from college. So I didn't necessarily, you know, take care of my grades like I should have. but didn't know that I needed to, you know. I just thought passing was good enough. And uh, and so uh, I couldn't get in necessarily to some of the schools that I, I wanted to go to Texas. I couldn't get in there. Uh, I had other, you know, big eight offers. Um, but I had found out that my wife, who is my, my girlfriend, who is my wife now, was pregnant with our oldest son as a senior in high school. So, you know, essentially, you know, you find that out in addition to like where you're wanting to go to college. I didn't want to go far. I wanted to go in somewhere where I felt like I was wanted. Well, the first college coach that showed up at my house was uh, John Pierce at Stephen F. And I had already had offers from like Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and all these places. But it just made an impression upon me. And with him in tow was the defensive tackle coach, David Gibbs, who, who's the defensive coordinator at Manville, uh, Gene Chizik, and everybody knows who Gene Chizik is. And um, he was the linebacker coach. And the defensive coordinator, which was David Hughes, who's, you know, since deceased in the last uh, year. But uh, – those guys, I felt like they were touched by God to come down here and be with me because I was definitely hell on wheels and I needed every one of them in my life. And um, I went on all my visits and I still chose to go to Stephen F. And, and let me tell you what, it was the best thing that ever happened to me because we had an unbelievable career in records and seasons when I was down there. We put about five guys a year in the NFL. And you know, anything about one double A football, you play with 63 scholarships as opposed to you know, the 110 or 90, I don't, I don't even know what the 1A mark is, but uh, I felt like our coaches knew how to identify talent and care in players at a different level because they just had to turn over every rock. You didn't get the big time guys. Right. And that, that just tells you their evaluation skills coming in there at a one double A school. We averaged at least five NFL guys a year, which was crazy. I mean, it was just absolutely crazy. And uh, we had a lot of success. 
And so, you know, for for me, I uh, I knew after my freshman year that I wanted to be a coach. I was telling my high school coach, I'm going to come back and take your job one day. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great story in itself. But uh, I knew I wanted to be a coach because I played that way. I, I, I just was – I was a coach within with, – as a player, you know. And so, for me, my time at Stephen F. just really, you know, is where I honed my craft and honed my skills is become, becoming just not only a really good football player but a smart player and just learning to do things differently that made me better as a defensive tackle. I didn't want to just know – what I was doing, I wanted to know what the ends were doing. I wanted to know what the linebackers were doing. And eventually the back end, I wanted to know what they were doing. And it had zero to do with what I was doing. All they cared about is you stop the run and you go sack the quarterback. So those guys were a big influence on me, and they're still a big part of my life. Uh, you know, I talk to Coach Chizik about once a month, sometimes more if I need him for that. But all my college coaches uh, were just uh, very influential in me, as well as my high school coach. So I know you. I know you played for a little while in the NFL. Talk about that and what that experience was like. The the process in itself is funny. I remember getting ready for our pro day at Stephen F. and they had called out a few names because we had some big time guys. We had Jeremiah Trotter and Michael Ricks, yeah, who had just got back from the combine, and and so they wanted to. They come down to our pro day. Every NFL team's there. They got about twelve trainers. Every head coach is there. And there's about 10 GMs there. And Curtis Looper, who's the offense coordinator at uh, Missouri, was was he played his last year of college eligibility with me as when I was a freshman at Stephen F. And then of course Luke coached with us the whole time there as well. And uh, I was, you know, they didn't call my name. They said I want to see these five guys after uh, everybody. They let everybody run a 40. And uh, I was pissed. I was just like, and they didn't call my name. So I knew when I, I had to run a good 40. Well, I slipped coming out of my start. But when I, I knew I had a good time, and uh, when I got done, Curtis ran over to me and he was like, Daylon, I got you down at a 4.86. And I was like, what? And, he, and, and that's the fastest time I had ever ran, but I know my adrenaline was pumping. And so yeah. I, ran, I ran another one, and he got me at a 4.92 on that one. And uh, he's like, man, I, if, if they don't like that, I don't know what to say. So when everybody got through running, they go, uh, real quick, we need to see Aaron Delatore too. I knew right then that I impressed somebody enough because, you know, you got to have good tape. Everybody's got to have good tape to play in the NFL. But what they want to know is, are you fast enough? And are you strong enough? And so that was a good deal. And then we went up there and I did 225 like 39 times. And, you know, wow. I, mean, I, I just had a, I had a, a Record-breaking day, man. It was just a great deal. Well, then on draft day, this is what's funny. Day one, we knew I wasn't going to get no call. Me and my <laughs> But Michael Ricks and Jeremiah Trotter did. So we were yeah. going party for them. Well, we were hoping that I might have got a call and or my name got called on draft day, and it didn't. So, Coach, I go in my – when the draft is over, like I literally go into my bedroom and I and or I tell there's three people in our, in our apartment. I said I don't want to talk to anybody right now. And they're the same way. They all had the aspirations too. And nothing happened for them. And I said I think I want to go be alone for a minute. I went in there and cried like a baby for about five minutes. Going, I'm never going to play football again. What the hell am I going to do? I literally got to go to class now. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know what I was going to do. 
Well, the phone rings and prior to the phone ringing, I had set up two phones, one for my roommate who was, who was a prospect as well. And one for me so that no one would get confused. They would call the right phone. Yeah. Well, the phone in the living room rings and we had told everybody, do not call us. If anything happens, we'll call you. Well, I'm laying in my bedroom and I hear him say, hello. No, this is George Howe. He goes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hang on. So he goes and knocks on my door and he's like, Daylon, the Pittsburgh Steelers are on the phone. And I'm like, puffy face crying. And I turn around, I go, you better not be bullshitting with me, man. Because I thought <laughs> it was <laughs> And so uh, sure the hell enough, it was Bill Cower. And he's like, hey, how you doing, Aaron? We, uh, you know, we love what you do and we want you to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. How do you feel about that? And I was like, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He's like, you got an agent? And I said, uh, yes, I had kind of forgot his name. And so that whole process started. And, you know, my rookie class at Pittsburgh, what I'm really excited about is, you know, Alan Fanica, who just got inducted into the Hall right. of Fame, right. was a first-round draft pick. Heinz Ward was a third, and Heinz will be in the in the Hall of Fame. And that that group of guys was a really special group. And, you know, I, I wished I was I could have been able to stick and stay with them. But the memories I made there doing all the things that I did, I was one of the last ones cut. And it was a cap cut just because they had money into other guys and not me. But um, one lasting thing for me was Bill Coward just telling me that, you know, you're a very good football player. This has nothing to do with you. At the time, I was too young to really understand that. And uh, just he's like, keep playing. He said it took me a long time to get in this league. He goes, I think you can definitely do it. So, you know, and then I go play in NFL Europe, and that was great. And uh, my my D-line coach in Pittsburgh was John Mitchell. Then my D-line coach in NFL Europe was a guy named Jim Tomsula, who was, oh, yeah. you know, fantastic and great, very knowledgeable guy and uh, did very well over there. And uh, just when I came home, I kind of started a bidding war. And, of course, I wanted to go be with the Cowboys. And so my agent at the time, he's uh, like, I think we got this thing done. You're going to be a Dallas Cowboy. And I was like, are you kidding me? That was, I was living in Irving. And oh, wow. so when I go sign my, my paperwork, coach, when I go sign my paperwork, there is like Maseratis, uh, you know, I, I can't even begin to tell you the kind of cars that were out there. Just, uh, you know, it looked like a car show. Yeah. But when I go up my car, when I turn it off, the car's still running. Like it's going clunk, 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 clunk. And uh, it was just really funny because the guys were like, hey, man, you need to take that sign bonus. Go make some – go go, go buy your car. And I was like, I can't. I got to keep this thing to remind me where I'm coming from. So, you know, again, in itself, it presented a great opportunity for me. Jim Jeffcoat was my position coach. And, um, you know, what, what's great is those guys that I even had in the NFL, I've pretty much sustained relationships with. And uh, – big network and and that's really probably the biggest thing from playing pro ball that I gained is just a huge network of guys I've either played with coached with coached against recruited me or recruited my son about to recruit my youngest son and so that's probably the biggest and best experience you know I try not to and and you know I I, I can't even think really the last time I really had a long conversation about me playing the NFL because it really doesn't matter anymore you know but my my uh when I run into guys that I've seen somewhere or, or you know, I went to go watch my son on his pro day, hell, three or four guys were there that I knew. Chris Kasurk's coaching the D line with the Lions. Well, he was he's with San Francisco. He was with the Lions at that time when he was there. And 
you know, just uh, John Mitch, who uh, was with the Steelers, and Mean Joe Green were there, and Mean Joe was a scout with with me, and so it was just a, you know, you run into people. It's, yeah. it's a small just, circle. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's 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 jump into some D line stuff now, because uh, I, yeah. I know we got a lot of stuff we want to talk about today. Uh, and talking to you in, in in kind of earlier conversations, I know that you know that, that you said a big deal for you guys. Uh, was your fundamentals. And, and I know that when people hear that, they're inevitably going to roll their eyes and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we all have heard that. But, you know, I know we know as, as D-line coaches and guys who are watching this or listening to this know how important fundamentals are and that, you know, if, if, if we do deviate from those, it's going to be at the peril of our kids and, and, and really the peril of our whole defense. So uh, I'm going to let you – we'll share your screen now and kind of get in your presentation as we talk about yeah. – talk about that but as you're pulling that up you can just sort of tell us you know uh just a little bit about your defensive front and and, and your belief in the fundamentals and where that came from yeah so for me you know and it really harps on a question when i started playing in the nfl people are asking what did they teach you what's what's new i mean when you go to the nfl everybody's really good everybody's really big everybody's really fast right what separates those that keep playing are those that are the best fundamentals most sound players and I always took a lot of pride in being the type of defensive tackle that could stop the run and rush the passer. You didn't want to be a guy that had to be taken out on like third down because you couldn't rush the passer. And so in doing that, what happens as a coach is people will go watch drills and they think this is what I need to do to be better because Alabama did it or LSU did it or the state champs in 6A are doing it. That's not necessarily true. I mean. Anytime I go to any kind of clinic, I always want to learn. There may be things I'm, I say I'm going to do. If, if I can take away one or two things, I'm going to do that. And there may be things that I'll just say, I'm never going to do that. You know, uh, I'll keep doing what we do. But you're, you're learning in some type of capacity. Well, for me, it's just you have to have the capacity for boredom to learn how to be a good defensive lineman. And it's a repetitious thing. It's like brushing your teeth. It's tying your shoes. If you cannot continue to do the same thing over and over and get really good at it, you're never going to get good at it. If you're trying to chase drills, you can be a drill guy, but you don't know how to hit a sled. You know, you can be a, uh, a sled guy, but don't know how to get off a block. You can go know how to get off a block, but you can't go make a tackle. And so there's just this progression of fundamentals that if you do the same things over and over, you create good habits and you create muscle memory, and that's why we practice. That's what you want to do. So for me, it's just a three-tiered process and following those things, and um, without sounding really cliched, that's what it is. I'm going to go through these slides, Coach, if that's okay. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, and I'll, I'll ask questions as they come up. But yeah, yeah. All right, really kind of the first thing for me is just, uh, you know, as a defensive line, we wanted to create an identity. And especially at Denton Ryan, Denton Ryan's known for having defensive linemen. We got three NFL jerseys, or actually four in, in the uh, halls at Denton Ryan. One of them's Jarvis Moss, who was a first-round draft pick that went to Florida. Uh, another one's Brian Smith, who's a third-round draft pick out of Missouri, who set the all-time Big 12 sack record. The other is Derek Loki, who played at the University of Texas with the Kansas City Chiefs. And then lastly is Mario Edwards, Jr., who, uh, of course, started out with Oakland and had an all-pro year, and Mario had probably his best year of football this year with the Bears. So our D-line is where we make our money, and 
when I started there in 2009, I wanted to come up with an identity of us just being some bad mofros, you know, and, and, a, and a, a lot of it at that time was, you know, the Sons of Brian, and I, I wanted kids to identify, or the Sons of Anarchy show was out, and I was like, I'm, I like that, that's cool, that's tough, let's get our kids built around wanting to be bought a, a product of Ryan, being a son of Ryan from Little League all the way through the rest of their life. There's something that everybody should put a piece of their life into and that means something to them. And really from that standpoint, we wanted to be fundamentally sound. We wanted to be the type of guys that communicated. We make light and heavy calls and uh, we try to be smart and down a distance and talking to each other about ball keys. You don't have to be quiet as a defensive lineman. Um, we, we wanted to make sure that, you know, our kids know we're going to coach them hard, but we're going to love you harder. And, uh, we're going to be honest with you. If you're not doing good, I'd rather you be upset with me telling you the truth than, than telling you something that's a lie and, um, just, just being really critical of them and their performance, not anything personal, because we want our kids to be their toughest critic and try to be, you know, when we watch film, you know, you get times some, where kids will try to make excuses and that's not the case. They should tell us what they see is wrong and then we want them to take notes and fix it. Uh, we have very high expectations. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that my kids know with, from that standpoint too, we want to create a, a culture of expectations around that, you know, you should win and compete at all times. It's, it's just not a sometime thing. And, with all those things being said, it kind of ties it together with the togetherness and being loyal. My kids know at the end of the day, I got their back even when they're wrong because they're ours. It's just like family, right? You may have that uncle who's in prison, but he's still your uncle. And uh, he's our family. When they do wrong, we want to tell them that's not right and we help them fix it and we get through it with them, you know, and even when it's really bad. And, and I think our kids, when they see that, they learn to play for something bigger than themselves. And they want to play hard for us. And we really strive for them to just lead academically, athletically, and socially uh, through all aspects of, of their uh, young life. And so really that kind of comes a part of the life process, the social process. And so then we carry it over to, you know, how, what does that mean for D-Line? What do we want? People always ask me, what's your philosophy? I hate answering it because honestly, my philosophy is, if uh, whatever I'm selling, if that kid isn't buying it, then it doesn't really mean jack crap. You know what I mean? And so philosophies to me can change. And, and I, I rather much believe in a process, uh, you know, because processes are living, breathing documents. They're living, breathing situations. Philosophies change from week to week to situation to situation, life, life events. And, and I just feel like having a process is a way better way to go at it. So in 1994, I was, I went to this clinic. It was the Texas high school coaches clinic because they wanted the SFA defensive linemen that were in Dallas to go to the coaches clinic. They wanted to introduce us to the alumni. And I saw Matt Brown for the first time, he was the head coach at North Carolina speak to the Texas high school coaches convention. It was the most elaborate PowerPoint presentation I've ever seen in my life. I was like, wow, this guy's got it going on, man. I mean, he is sharp. I would love for my kid to play for him. Up next comes Gene Stones. They had just won, you know, national championship the year before at uh, Alabama. Coach, he, he has one of his little uh, GAs or whatever, has an overhead projector screen, sets it up on the podium, 
puts a little blank sheet up there for him. Gene Stallings puts this little blank paper up there, and he writes the number one, stop the run. He goes into uh, this most elaborate speech about, you know, how you stop the run. Number two was rush, was run the football. And he talks about how you win because of that. And the last thing was have an identity and believe in it. And in 1994, that thing just stuck with me more than ever about that's the simplicity of football. And to be really good, you got to be able to run the ball, stop the run, and you got to, you know, have this identity. Well, for me, I hang my hat on we need to stop and run. And so uh, that allows us to rush the passer, and then ultimately we're going to make plays. If, if you have to talk effort with your guys, they probably don't need to be on the field. You Absolutely. Know? That's a no-debate kind of thing for us. I, I'm the type of person that I want to dictate to an offense how we're going to attack them. I don't like having to be dictated based on formations and uh, personnel groupings or RPOs. There's some things you can do that we do that – give us, you know, the upper hand so that we're not pegged into a certain situation. One of the things I didn't write on here is, you know, within the first five to ten plays of any football game, we want to hit the quarterback. And, you know, we want to put them down. We want to put them down hard. And the reason is we just want to let them know it's coming. You know, it's coming all day and don't get comfortable back there. And um, another really important thing is reestablishing the line of scrimmage, you know. Um, it's probably one of the most important things we can do. And my philosophy kind of really around, and I, and I hate even saying philosophy, is we want to have attacking defensive linemen. It, it just creates mistakes. Any kind of gap scheme teams where you can knock pullers off and you can push linemen back into, into the backfield um, and create um, loss of down plays, loss yardage plays, uh, sacks, anything like that, anything to put pressure on the offense. You make everybody better if you have four really good defensive linemen. And I mean everybody. In the back end, you make your whole team better. So um, I feel like if we just continue to execute against these things consistently, we can go out and win every game. This is the first time my college coach told me when he was recruiting me, the reason we're recruiting me is we feel like you can help us win games. I never really understood that and until I started playing. And he said, you see, a defensive tackle can win a game. You can stop the run. You can rush the passer. Sometimes you can score a touchdown, too. And uh, we have a lot of fun with that. So uh, as you're as you're maybe getting ready to go to the next slide, does this is that something that you know that that you tweak every year? Or is that the same you know the same thing that you're that you're rolling out to your guys every year when you get ready to start uh, a new season? We hardly ever. I have I have I don't think I've pulled away from that yet. You know, I and, and if anything, I add some things to it, uh, and and there may be a little bit more as you see in some of this, but. Um, this stuff right here is pretty foundational with what I do. Um, I mean, it sounds silly, but when the center touches the ball because of everybody being so tempo, you got to be down and ready in a stance. Can't, you can't be getting extra calls. We as defensive guys can't be making the perfect call because you got to get them ready to go. Being on sides, you know, uh, I think I read something the other day uh, or I was told this, that if you get one penalty – on defense in a series, there's a 30% chance that the offense can score. If you get two, there's a 70% chance that they can score. And so no pre-snap, post-snap penalties, at least from none of my guys. Really the big thing that I want to hit on is the pre-snap reads. And this is where you start talking about the intelligence of a defensive lineman. You know, before the ball is even snapped, we want our guys to know the down and distance. We know we want them to know where the back is. 
we, we would like for them to have an idea of what the formation is, uh, at least if there's a tight end in the game or if it's two backs. Uh, we always are looking and cognizant of the splits of the offensive linemen, and we want to know if, if they're in a light or a heavy position. And lastly, what's the field position, uh, you know, by yard line? Are we in the mid? Are we in the red zone? Are we on the goal line? Is it third down? So just kind of getting your main, your, your, your mindset in a mainframe component of like, let me go down to this checklist. And I'm talking about once you start doing it, then it goes like that. I mean, it's a two second deal. You're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Done. Ready to go. That's before the ball is even snapped. And then ultimately, again, you know, we move on movement and we want to reestablish that line of scrimmage. And I'm sure no doubt a lot of that comes from film study. You guys watching the opponent during the week. You're saying, hey, check this, see you in the back, you know, see how he's deeper. So now we're thinking inside run or this left guard is light on his hand, things like that. Yeah, if you can, if you, any tips like that you get, that's what we do throughout our breakdowns. And looking at backs, looking at back splits, looking at how they may be aligned over the guard or wider out on side of the tackle. Are they in front of the quarterback? Are they behind the quarterback? Are they close to the quarterback? Look at the mesh. Um, you know, there's just so many things you can do, but we try to find a way to really pare it down and say these are the things that are most important. You know, this just this isn't this is probably most important because these four things right here, coach, anybody that plays football can do. You don't have to be good, you don't have to be great. Anybody that you coach, and we being high school football coaches, um, probably one of the two worst coach positions in high school football are O-line and D-line. Now, any offense and defensive line coach will tell you that's, that's BS if they coach your butt off. The problem is you can overcoach. And, and if you're slowing them down, you're not letting them play fast. And we want our kids to play fast. So me as a coach, I want to try to pare it down to the lowest common denominator. I may be critically uh, complicated, but I don't want anything to be overtly complicated for my players. And so, you know, we take a lot of time learning how to get in a proper stance. And, you know, if you can get that done in middle school, you don't have to worry about it in high school. So that's really important when you're talking about how you want to be vertically aligned through the middle schools and even little leagues. I took time going down to little leagues and clinicking and working with the kids when I was a head coach to try and get anyone that was going to be at Irving High, let's work on getting in the proper stance for your position. I think it's really important. Um, you know, alignment, just knowing where you're supposed to be, when you're supposed to be there. If you're not aligned, you know it can get you beat. And then your assignment, what you're supposed to do. And then that technique, what you got to do to execute your assignment. Anybody can do those things. Where it changes from that is uh, – you know, the next things, and, and you'll see some of those that I have there that um, are just really important in regards to what you got to do. That The next parts of, okay, those four things are there. The next parts are, you know, your eyes, your feet, your tackling ability. You know, there's just these other things you have to do. And you can't, if you're better, you're on the field. And then if, if you're even better than that, then you're out there actually doing it on the field. So now you you've at least develop this foundation for your players that I'm going to go through this process of looking at my stance. Is my alignment good? Is my assignment good? Is my technique good? Now I'm playing. And, and now you got them going. And I grade our kids based on those four things. Yeah. Every single game. And I'm sure everybody else does it, you know, um, and you may have an acronym for how you do it, but um, 
Yeah, it's that we call we we give our guys two grades and ask a grade. So alignment, stance, key assignment uh-huh. on every play, and then an effort grade. So uh, it kind of gives a way for you to to grade both of those things and and uh, to, to hold them right. accountable for those. So yeah, what what does a stance look like for you guys? How are you coaching that up? I'll show you. I have one in here. I'll show you. Uh, okay. uh, um, so run game progression in here. It's just uh, you'll see. Stance, ball, key, line of scrimmage. I want you looking from the periphery. Your eyes equal your key, you know, and I want to play to the man and through the man, okay? And, and, and I'll explain a little bit about that. Eyes to the ball, we want to explode, extend, escape. I don't even want to talk through this. This is just kind of a basic fundamental deal right here. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. And then here's where you talk in stance right here. I want our feet shoulder width apart, and I just got some pictures of some guys in here that kind of essentially do it. This is one of our guys here in this top left corner. Uh, heel to toe stagger, that inside. We want our man hand down. When we say man hand, if I'm a three technique, I want my – and say I'm on the left side, I want my right hand and right foot back. Um, one thing I do, Coach, I te- this is a little cheat. For guys that have a problem, when they fire off the ball, their hands are like this when they're engaging on people's breastplates. I yeah. want thumbs up, elbows in, right? Right. And so one thing I'll do is when we get in our stance, I'll back this up a little bit, I'll, instead of our kids having their hand flat down on the ground like this, we give a quarter turn. And yeah. what it allows them to do is now we're going to start coming straight up with our thumbs. Yes. Yeah. With our thumbs up. And it's a little subtle cheat, but it's something that allows our guys to get better about doing what they're doing. Yeah, I, I picked up uh, picked that up from from a, a coach at a clinic, and it just made sense because that's how you know we teach forty stances for that's our right. kids, and and so it's the same type of concept. The thumb's going to wind up in that position anyway, so let's go ahead and start it out so they don't have to turn midair. Yeah. Midair. And and honestly, the whole point was you know you're creating a bad habit by making them go from here to there anyway in any kind right. of drift. Why not start there? Right. Start in that position and let's just finish in that position. Yeah, exactly. The butt slightly up, you know, I like my head playing through my hands because I feel like your eyes are through or where your power is and where your hands are going to be at and um, have that free hand relaxed and hanging. I don't like no tight arm. I don't like no cocked arm. I want it relaxed, hanging, where when you come off, you, it's just like a, a jab from a boxer. It's the, one of the most dangerous punches a boxer has in his toolbox, and we want to be able to punch the crap out of him. The, the fight is to the breastplate. And we want to get control of the breastplate as quick as possible. And on there, you can just see the alignment from that standpoint. You know, from a shade, we want to be on that inside ear uh, of the center. The better you are, the looser you can get, right? As a two-eyed, same thing, inside ear of the guard. The better you are, you can start getting out on that shoulder tip. Three technique, same thing. I want to be right, you know, we loosen ours up pretty much. And the four eyes essentially the same thing as the two eyes. But those are some good pictures, and I got a thousand of our guys and stuff. But those are really some good just pictures of how you want a guy to look. I don't want a guy not necessarily looking up out of his stance because if yeah, my right. ass is down, I'm not going to have any power coming out of him. Yeah, yeah, and you know it's funny we're talking about this because I talked about this with my guys today. I said you know go back and watch the video clips from us you know last year or whatever. I said everybody's going to pretty much their stance is pretty much going to look the same. Now you got some guys who are really tall, some guys are short and squatty. So it's, it's, 
not everyone's going to look exactly the same, but they're basically, they're, they're coming from the same rule book. Right. Yeah. And it's, everyone kind of has their own little personality, but it starts in the same spot. I said, it's kind of like when you learn to drive, you know, everybody learns to drive hands 10 and two, you know, eyes straight ahead. But as you get a little more comfortable with it, you know, maybe you have one hand on top. And, and so you kind of put your own style on things, but the, yeah. you know, the, the, uh, the, the, I guess the framework, the foundation's the same. Yeah. And I, and, and it's funny that you say the frame, I want everything to be in the frame. So if my hands are outside of the frame, I lose power. Yeah. And, and I talk about that when, when we're getting off blocks. I talk about that when we make pass rush moves, when we escape. And you'll, everybody will be a little bit slightly different, but initially this is the way you want them to start. And the more comfortable they get with their stance, the better they can be about. And as long as you know they're doing the things you want them to do, the better they can be about loosening some things up. But those are some good pictures of some guys just in, in what they look at. You heard me say earlier, you, you know, where your eyes are is where your power is at. And to me, your hands and arms as a player are just an extension of your hips. But if my head is, you know, I feel like you got, we teach our guys you have four eyes, okay? That sounds silly, but two are your hands and two are your eyes. I'll make them, they don't believe me when I say that, and, and I say, okay, grab the guy in front of you. And this, and then I make them close their eyes. Now I go just react off base where the guy steps, you step with them. So they'll be locked out on a guy with their hands on them. And the guy across from them will step left and they'll step left. When they step right, they'll step right. And I'm like, you got to learn how to play the man with your hands and you play the ball with your eyes. We want to take the defense, the offensive lineman and put him into the gap that's next to us. So say I'm a B gap player. I want to press that guard into the A gap to close it off so that now I'm making the runner back come to me. I'm, we want to be a little greedy and being the, the guy that makes the tackle, not letting the linebacker go make that tackle. So, you know, we just feel like having your eyes down the line side of your hand where you see my eyes right here, right over the top to the V of my hand, right? In this camera. Yeah. yeah. That's how we want to play. And and we just feel like if we play through the V of the neck and through our key, um, everything should be good in terms of our power and our position. And we want our hands above our eyes just so we have good leverage too. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I've talked about this on, uh, on this podcast before that so many issues that crop up with defensive linemen can be traced back to eye violations, whether it be pad level, uh, you know, gap integrity, um, Leverage, you know, leverage, you know, all those things, uh, you know, can be traced back. And that's definitely something that as a young coach, I, I undercoached or, and maybe even neglected just the importance of, of coaching up eye discipline. You kind of take it for granted. I think the big thing, you know, when you start working with, with the uh, progression of a D lineman, the first thing they'll do is run straight up the field, right? Right. You snap the ball, they're going to run up the field and, and the ball run right by them. The next thing they do is you're going to tell them, no, don't do that. So they're going to fire off, but they're not going to move their feet, and then they're going to get ran over. Okay, well, then they're going to fire off and move their feet, and they're going to press that guy, and the running back's going to run right by him. And then they're going to fire off, move their feet, and press that guy, and then they're not going to get off the block. And so, and then they're going to do all those things, and then their eyes are going to be buried on the guard. So it goes through this progression of, like, once you get past all that crap, now you're going to be figuring it out, and it's just going to click. I always tell people all the time, it takes a defensive lineman, honestly, about a year to learn how to play. Yeah. 
if you're just really physically big and skilled, you can get over, you, you can get better by overpowering people, but you got to learn how to play with proper fundamentals. And it takes time. Which, which is, which is why, like you said, to start this thing off, you have to have a capacity for boredom because that's if it. you stop hit, hitting all those things, then I can't, you can't get through that process because you're exactly right. That's the progression. Is And if and people that, don't believe that, if you want to hear one thing you, 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 and you can put in your pocket through this whole clinic, believe in that. you got to have the capacity of, for boredom of, man, we do this every day, but that's what's going to make you better. That's exactly what's going to make you better. I believe you'll hear people say eyes, hips, and feet. You'll hear people say hips, feet, and hands. You know, I, I think it's completely a progression of your eyes, your hands, your hips, your feet. Everything centralizes around your hips. If you don't come out of your hips, you're not going to have power. Your arms are just an extension of your hips. You look, at it's, it's just the, it's physics. I cannot, I don't have to be necessarily strong from an upper body standpoint, but if my lower body is where I have power and good leverage, and really when you look at these guys on this sled drill right here, they're just working hip extension. They're not working proper hand placement and leverage because look at their hands. They're below their eyes. Right. Now, when you look at this guy at the bottom, he's already extended out of his hip and he's back in this power position where his hands are above his eyes and he's playing two blocks. You know, he's playing his key, but there's, there's a reason why I put that on there is to show you don't, don't different, don't get confused with, I got to be fully extended. That's just a portion of a drill, but you have to extend to get into this power position so that you can come off and make a play. Cause that's how you reestablish the line of screen. Yeah. Great stuff there. And, 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 you got the LSU picture with the, and then you got the picture of the two guys on the sled. It reminds me of the, uh, um, the Pete Jenkins quote about pinch the penny. You know, yeah. you dropping a penny at the top of that dude or, or your butt crack. You got to be able to squeeze those cheeks together and catch it before that thing hits the ground. And uh, my kids always laugh at that, but then they understand and they get it. So when you say pinch that penny, they know what that means. Yeah, no doubt. Kind of tell our guys all the time: if you ain't got no use, you ain't got no use. And so. I want you to be able to go get it, you know, and, and here's where we start talking about what we're doing. Those first four things, like I was talking about, everybody can do the, the stance alignment assignment technique, getting off, playing with proper eyes, hands and hips and feet, getting separation, escaping, giving proper pursuit to the ball and ultimately tackling. Um, all those things will get you and keep you on the field. And the more consistent you are as a player, the better you'll be. And that's that's what we just talked about. You know, you gotta have that juice, man. And the way you get juice is and we and you know, juice is respect. The way you get it is how you play. So you, you gotta you gotta play fanatical to go play defensive line and be an attacking defensive lineman. So if I were to follow you around in practice, you know, how are you how are you bringing juice to practice uh within your position group? I'm not a real necessarily a big screamer unless I need to be, and I'm not a hoorah guy. Uh, but what I will do is when stuff ain't right, we'll get it right. I'll start it over. I, I try to – we have more fun than anybody on the team, but when it's business, when it's time to go to work, we clock in. You know, Hell, at one point I was like, I'm in the meeting room. I'm going to go get an old-school time clock and make y'all punch the card before you even go out on the field because we're going to work. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I've ever really had a problem with our guys because I know – 
I always try to say, what do you want to do in your career? You know, most of them, some of them will say, I just want to play high school football. But the ones I've been fortunate to coach some great players. So I say, okay, you want to be good or you want to be great? I want to be great, coach. Then follow me. I'm going to show you what you need to do and help you get you to a point where you can go be great. And so these guys have just embodied that, man. And I really have been blessed about, well, I don't have to go out there and do a whole hell of a lot of, you know, who run with our guys. Now I can, I can, I can do whatever we need to do in that regard, but they know when we go to work, we're working. <laughs> I love that asking those guys that question. That's a simple thing, but just asking them what they want to do, because I think now, once they say it, then it's like, okay, well, that's what you said. So right. I'm gonna... and now you can, now you can hold them accountable. Right. They've said it. it's that culture of expectations and accountability. I'm just doing what you said. If you don't want to be that, tell me. That's fine. If you just want to be a good high school football player, back up, then we'll work on that. But if you want to be the best, then let's go be the best. So we kind of went through some of this right here, Coach. This just kind of breaks it down a little bit deeper, just talking. Yeah. And I can share this PowerPoint with you, too, through Huddle, and that way okay. you can, anyone wants it. Great. Just for the essence of time. Yeah. Um, but this just goes through kind of four things, talking about your stance alignment and assignment and, and your ball get off. We're big BGO guys, just as everyone else is. Um, and we kind of already talked about some of those things. From a technique standpoint, you talk about how you want to strike. I say step and replace. A lot of guys have gotten, you know, everybody was so technical about you want to take this six-inch power step. You mean, I mean, ultimately, Coach, who's down there measuring six inches? Exactly, exactly. I, that's, that's not what I say to our guys. And when coaches used to tell me that, I don't, I don't, do that. What I want our guys to do is step and replace to reestablish their base. Because if you don't have a base, you're going to fall on your face, right? You I, know, like we, I like it. We try to give them these little lingo deals. You know, I'm the original rapper, Johnny Cash, D Lyman. So, um, if if you can find some little cliched words, you know, I tell them what do, What do you got to do when you come out of your stance? My kids will say step and replace, and I'll go why. And they'll go establish a base. And I go, what happens if you don't reestablish a base? They'll go they'll fall on our face. I mean, it's robotic where they know that. Now, I've been technical with them without saying technical words, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And because I, I think that's a great point. And I, t again, told my kids today, I was like, look, I'm going to stop saying, you're going to hear me stop saying six-inch step. Because I think sometimes they get so caught up on that. I'm like, I want you exploding out of your hips. And, and, and get that foot back around as fast as you can. And then nine times out of 10, it's going to land where it's supposed to land. You know, like you said, I'm not better with a tape measure and, and, and all that measuring six inches. I just want you back in a base to where you can react left or right without taking a false step. That's what yeah. I want. Yeah. yeah. And there, there's two types of steps for us. There's base steps and there's jet steps. And, and when we give jet calls, that's pass rush. You don't worry about any kind of run responsibility. But when we get base steps, which is, you know, in, in most situations, uh, unless we give you a call, we want you to make sure you're taking a, a proper step. You know, we talked about hat and hands already. Some people say, I'm going to key the knee. I don't believe in keying any kind of knees as a defensive lineman because we're coming out of our stances up and out. If you're keying knees, you can get false keys by guys taking bucket steps and stuff like that. The only time you should key a knee is if you're taking a lateral stunt uh, and you're doing just movements, and you're looking at the guy that you're moving to. You want to see if he's coming to you or away from you. Do I need to redirect, or I do? Do I need to carry it on? The V of the neck is still critical in regards to playing your key. 
All I care about is whoever I'm lined up on, that's my key. That's who I'm going to play. Is it to me, away from me, or is it past? And that's all I want to know. And so these are just some normal things that I've kind of talked about again already, um, about, you know, just leverage, block recognition, you know, separation, pushing and pulling on the guy, you know, escaping. That's probably, and we'll talk more about escaping later. Uh, this next thing, these are the things we already talked about. If we're having to talk about effort and pride, and, and I've always carried this mantra that, like, if I didn't make every tackle, no one else would. So it made me run my ass to the football. You know, I, I knew I had to go. So here's, I think I might have some video in this right here, Coach. Uh, I'm trying to remember. This is just essentially like looking at a base block. You, and, and one thing I've done, I'm going to hit pause. Just so people don't think like, well, you coach at Denton Ryan, you've got nothing but great football players. Most of the defensive linemen I've coached at Denton Ryan are six foot, 210 to 20 pound guys. On, on average, most of the guys. I have coached four freaky kids the entire time that I've been at Ryan. And, and those guys, you know, I mean, you're lucky to ever coach one of them. You had two of them when you were at, at, at your school, Coach, and you know that. I mean, how many have you had before that? None. None. Yeah. Just average. I've been really lucky to coach some guys at some positions and places and different places. But what I did is in putting this together, I wanted you to see guys from all places that I've coached. I've coached in high school only at Denton Run and Irving High School. And in college, I coached at Stephen F. So you'll see clips from all these things. And it's been the same message for over 15, 16 years as a coach. And you're still getting the same result. So You'll look at this left defensive tackle right here. Uh, I don't – can you tell who I'm talking about? Yep, yep. Okay. Watch him come out of his stance. And we're playing a very good L.D. Bell football team, but we're just talking about shooting our hands, getting to where we go, doing what we need to do, reestablishing the line of scrimmage. You look at the guy on the right side who's splitting a double team, doing the things he needs to do, getting to where he needs to go, making a play. When you got two defensive linemen holding up four people, that's pretty damn good. And I got two linebackers back here that are, you know, I think my English Bulldogs are about as big as that are running all over the place free. So that's just an example of some base block teaching. Same thing, Irving, I know that might have got a little choppy. You can watch the lefty tackle. He gets, he's pressing the guard. He gets separation and uh, gets off that block. A lot of things we do when we get, you know, from a base block, I'm looking for frontside pressure. If I got frontside pressure and balls at me, I know I'm getting a base block. If I got frontside pressure and backside pressure, I know I'm getting a double team right now and balls at me, right? Right. We do a lot about talking about pressure. You'll see the defensive tackle here up top. He's got frontside, backside pressure. He sits and splits with his hip while he's still fighting his key, not worried about trying to beat two people, play your guard, sit and split, get off, make the tackle. If one of them tries to climb, you ought to be in a position to make the tackle. Now, that, that tackle right there, when are you telling him it's okay to, to, to vacate his gap and you know come out of his gap and make that play right there? Uh, the, left, the lefty tackle? Yeah. I really want him to hold the point. If they come off of him – then he can do it. Like right there, you see him split it. Yeah. And and only because the guard comes off, 
he's in position to make the play because he's holding the point. A lot of guys will tell you to eat it. A lot of guys will tell you different things. He's high on that play, but it's an example of a guy playing a double team in a pretty good way. Yeah. I, I think what you're seeing on all these clips so far is, is ball get off is, is king. You know, if, if you're not getting off the ball, you don't have a shot. It doesn't matter all of your techniques and, and all that kind of stuff. You can throw it out the window. If there's no ball get off, you don't, you don't really have a shot. That's right. If you can change the level of the line of scrimmage, you change their angle of them being able to block you. I don't ever really talk about double teams because I want to defeat my key. It's a base block. Yeah. If I got outside pressure, now I know it's a double team. And I'll show our kids in a, in a drill that, look, you're in the middle. They're both pushing on you. You're not moving. They're pushing each other. So just stay in your key and drive his butt into the other gap and be ready to go make a play. That was in 2018. I want you to look at – this is against uh, Longview this year in the playoffs. We got both our defensive tackles. I'll slow this down for you. They have – they're eating up four guys. One, two, one, two. Two linebackers are free. I don't know if that might have been too slowed down for you. No, I, I can see it. 96 and five are really good football players. And they're just eating them up, man. It just allows those guys to go make plays. Stay on your key. Don't don't come off your key. And then here is uh, here's just kind of a reach block. You know, this is when I coached at Stephen F. Hell, coach, I had two kids that we convinced to walk on that both ended up playing in the NFL. One kid's name was Tim Nicky. The other one was Kenneth Charles. And uh, Nicky went to the Jets. Kenneth went to the Rams. You'll just see these guys playing a reach block. You know. Getting to the V of the neck of your key. Now, this is wide splits, Texas Tech style offense, but look at the three technique and look at the shade. The game should be played between the three, the shade, and the Mike linebacker. If it gets outside of that, then we're not doing, we're not having fun playing defense. We want to make all those tackles. Now, are you doing, uh, will you guys do a lot of like, you know, steer drill and things like that and practice to work that? Yeah. And I have that at the end of this. You'll see some of those drills. Um, but this is how we do it, trying to play these base blocks. You know, we want to get upfield, fight vertically with our hands, press, reestablish the line of scrimmage, push, pull. Once we make that back, make a decision, we'll put, get escape and get off the block and go make a play. You see it again right there. I wish he would have been able to make a play, but that running back cuts inside of him, that three technique, but the shade's there to be there. Again, those two D tackles should be playing in harmony with one another. Here's a... Uh, it's another reach, you know. They're trying to reach a bear right here at 96. He's an A-gap player. What does it is ball get off, look at his arms, get an extension, getting off the block, and he just goes down the line making the tackle. And he's a big old bad football player. But let me tell you what, he, ne- he didn't know how to play football when, we got, when he got here with me. And that's the guy's honest truth. He had to learn. Had to learn. He never knew how to hit a sled. And um, it took him about – this game to really turn on this was this is when he started to really turn on for us was in the playoffs and boy we needed him to too because i mean he just went out and played like an nfl type football player when you can do stuff like that that's that's good that's that's what you know we just that's where you go working on those fundamental things gets him better and better because he wasn't able to do that at the beginning and and that's the god's honest truth now where he'll take his game from here someone asked me what's he like I've coached a lot of great football players. He, I think, in, in 
all aspects has the potential to be the best one I've ever coached. Let's say he's all those guys are coming back, huh? Are we bring eight guys back on defense? Yeah, the entire the entire D line and number six at linebacker right there. Two of our other linebackers are going. They got they're going D one, Arkansas and uh, Ty Marsh. But we bring back a good core and we bring back uh, three secondary guys. You, I, I like looking at this angle of them. You can just see them just getting it. You know, there's there's okay. Here's some bump scoop cut off. Really kind of what we talked about too, coach. And I probably should have said this: base reach, cut off, block back pull, influence. You don't get so much influence anymore, but a lot of teams have been trying to influence us just because our defensive tackles are so aggressive. Right, right, yeah. Different ways that you have to work at. So here's some, here's some, oh, I'm sorry. Here's some uh, bump scoop. You just see guys stay in your fit, move your feet, make the play. Get in the V of the neck, ride your fit, make the play. If they climb, you got to be the one to make the play. And that's just fighting pressure with pressure, not trying to run around a block or doing anything like that. See, he's still getting full extension when he sees the ball. As that guy's trying to climb, he's able to get off the block, escape. And, and now, make. would you want that three-tech, you know, to, to keep that guard from being able to get to the next level as, as best he can, you know, stand on that inside hip and really working him? We uh, would. We would if it, if he's further away from him and it allows the linebacker to get over the top and make the play, yes. Yeah. If that guy's – dragging ass in the line and the defensive tackle gets a chance to make the play, make the play. Right. Uh, we used to do a deal where I would, a technique where I called toe rope, where my inside hand would stay with that offensive guard and he would never go up, but they started calling holding on us uh, back after I started playing college football because they make everything easy for the offense, but it's still a good little <laughs> technique. It's just a little dirty and uh, it's frustrating for them linemen, but um you know, I, honestly, I, I really try to get them to just focus on, you know, stay in your fit, ride it. If if you can make the play, make the play. If you can keep them covered up, cover them up, ride it down. But if if we're not in the position to make the play, we won't. We'll be riding that thing all the way down, just pushing. But the linebacker better make the play. Yeah, you look at the D tackle at the top. Really, the thing you notice best is just he gets really good ball get off. Center can't cut him off, can't climb. The guard doesn't even really get a piece of him. He tried to get skinny on him. Well, it gives us, because of our get-off, gets an opportunity to get up the field and make a play. And, again, these are just examples at three of the places that I've coached. Uh, here's some block-back pull against Longview. I, I do block-back pull three different ways, okay? And people, some people will be like, eh, I'm practical, though, because I played the position, and, and you, there's not just one way to do it. Right. You can either be too far up the field. You can either be in a position where you're hitched on to the guard pulling, which is ultimately what I would want, or you can be in a position where you can't, you're kind of in no man's land and you just need to squeeze, right? Yeah. So I like cross and face sometimes based on how fast they do. If we know we got a light read and we got a wide split over here on this left side, uh, then we, we'll talk to each other, hey, light, 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 I got a heavy, heavy, heavy. And they'll know, hey, I'm getting a, a block back pull right now based on film study and all that other stuff. Right, right, right. Depending on how we react to the block, like right here, you'll see number five, He doesn't. he's not able to pop and cross face, but he squeezes. And then you see him be in a position to make a play. Now you look at backside, you see Bear, uh, 
we and in this game too, we knew we were getting a lot of gap schemes. So instead of playing a conventional three and a, a one or a two I, we went to a two I and a four I just to change the block, so that you didn't get a good block back and get a good angle. Now we're changing the surface area of who's blocking who, and that's something that I've started doing that started helping our guys immensely. Is just you know you don't always have to sit in a three. Yeah. Get in the four eye and change the blocks. Or you know he's coming down the block. You double. You get on your hip, and and you'll see Bear right here. Fires off. Get separation. Get off the block. Go make a play. You look at Mason backside, and really, Coach Key. The the key thing is our ball get off and look at our hands. We want complete separation. I don't want that guy on me at all, so that we can make a tackle. My two guys are making the play right here. Puller squeeze. See, I might not, I'm not, I might not be in his hitch following him. He not be, I might not be hitched onto his trailer, but look at how I'm squeezing that center into that other A gap. He's got nowhere to run. And then I got that big behemoth on the other side chasing it down too. So we want to converge all gaps with the with the offensive lineman's body and or get off the block and let's go make a play. Just good football right there. That's one-on-one. Yeah, that was a good picture of it right there. It's always funny. Our, everybody's like, man, I can't ever make a tackle, but you know. Everybody's fighting for that meat out on the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always the one thing you can be you can you want those guys to be selfish about is is making tackles. Yeah, no doubt. This is something that it's it's actually out of place, but it's an influence block. They teams have been trying to do this to us. So when I talk about pressure, when I got front side or backside pressure, and when I get no pressure, right? I got no front side or backside pressure. I know right now, eyes inside, because I'm either getting trapped or I'm getting influenced. If we follow our key, you'll see the guard right here pulls outside. Well, they had gotten bare earlier. They were able to, to, to get on them enough to chip them. And I said, and they had not shown an influence block once, and, but we had played a team that we had prepped for and we had worked earlier. I go, hey, they're influencing you. So you got to play it a little different. You're going to hunker down and cross face of it when you get there. He literally goes out and does exactly what I tell him because we had worked it in practice before. But again, you work the same situations, having that capacity for boredom in your block rec. If you're getting ready to play someone and they run a base reach and a cutoff, practice a base reach and a cutoff all week. You know, if you're getting double teams and you're getting block back pull, practice that all week. And then if you get something, at least it's not that you've never worked it before. You got those five things in your toolbox that you can have. Here's some pass rush stuff. Uh, Coach, I'll be really honest with you on pass. This is about as simple as I get. You either got it or you don't, you know. And if you if you don't have it, we're going to get you really good at clubbing and ripping and clubbing and arming over. Swatting hands, looking for high hands, low hands, you know. I'm either going to chop club rip or I'm going to swipe. I'm going to button jerk or I'm going to speed the bull. If you can do other things, I'll teach you those things. But if not, we're going to get really good at those things. And I think that's a lot of time where coaches can lose kids as they try to work on so much instead of just getting good at these few things. Um, and what we tell our guys is have a predetermined move, have a counter, and if none of that works, we want you to speed the bull right now, collapse the pocket. You don't have time to do a bunch of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's so important for high school kids, especially just to like you talk, like it says there to to have a plan, have a counter, 
you know, and if you can teach them that, then, then they're, they're going to be, then they're going to be in really good shape because so many guys don't ha have neither. They don't have a plan. They don't have a counter. Um, no doubt. So, so that's, that's definitely uh, an important thing. And it is easy to get caught up in all these rushes that we see, you know, on, on Twitter and YouTube and things and, you know, on Saturday and Sunday watching ball, but that, that's, that's not always the best thing for our kids. You don't have to be fancy, man. I mean, you really don't. Just get them good at what they can do. And I really mean it. You either got it or you don't as a pass rusher. And you let your ego go to the side and say, okay, hey, that's, that's period one fundamentals. I've taught him everything he's known. No, bull crap. That guy just knows how to go get after people. And yeah. now, now you can tweak some things to help him get better at what he does. And, and like I said, what we really try to target is if he has high hands, you know, coach, we're going to swap and we're going to swipe. If he has low hands, we're going to chop up rip. If he yeah. has low hands, we're going to get into the speed into a bull. If he has high hands, we're going to do a dent rip. We're going to, we're going to speed dent rip. We're going to chop a club and get around the horn. You know, so there's some things that we'll put in their toolbox, but we don't want them. We want it to be on what, what is the lineman giving you? And let's take advantage of that. You take advantage of whatever the lineman's giving you. Is he short setting? Is he vertical setting? Is he sitting low in the pocket? What do we got to do? And that's the things we need to take advantage of. Absolutely. Big, big thing, stop the punch. If we can stop the punch, it's good. You can blow by him. <coughs> Excuse me. But a lot of times offensive linemen are good too, and they'll just get in your way, you know, and, and that's effective blocking. And so what we want to do is we want to take what they give us. If we can get them on their heels, we're going to go speed the bull. And, 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 you know, just do the things that they give you will make you a better pass rusher. And the more you rep stuff like that, the more you get the mentality of your defensive lineman and seeing those things and breaking it down, the better it'll be. These are all pretty generic, Coach. You know, I went through in 2018 when we lost to Highland Park in the semifinals. <clears throat> Chandler Morris, on average, I stopped counting after the first 20 plays, after going back and doing some, uh, you know, self-scout stuff. He was releasing the ball in 2.2 seconds. I don't care how good you are. It's yeah. hard, hard to get there in that fast. Yeah. Without bringing the house and, and just, you know, going, burning it down, going man covered. So you don't have a lot of time to do a bunch of moves. You got to know how what you're doing. It goes back to having that plan, go out and, and have a counter. And it's usually, I'm going to use speed. If it doesn't work, I'm going to go to a pool. I'm going to use speed. If it doesn't work, I'm, I may, or I may uh, use the Euro, shake and bake, and get outside. Shake and bake, go inside if I have a two-way go. And there's not many people that have a two-way go. Yeah, and I think that's where, where just affecting the quarterback is so important with your guys, you know, getting hands up in his passing lane and, and throw or throwing lane and, um, at least just making him move around, move off his spot, you know, knowing where he likes to escape, where he doesn't like to escape, just those things can be really important when he's getting rid of it that fast. We knew on a couple quarterbacks that, uh, and especially this year that we were playing, that if they were tempo teams that even though we're getting pressure, if you're not going to get there, get your hands up. And, and there was two critical games where we had three batted passes by Dean Lyman that just made a big, big difference. Yeah, yeah. And, um, again, I, I want to emphasize that last bullet right there is just use his technique against them. Take advantage of what they give you. I don't care what the offensive lineman does. 
If he's given ground and vertical set, use power moves because now you're going to use his weight and his leverage against him. If he's meeting you on the line of scrimmage with short sets, be, use speed and quick moves. Get over the top of him. If, uh, if he sets, if the blocker's set and takes away our original move, then you counter. That's when you counter. You just don't let your feet die. Here's some chop club rip that you'll see of some of these guys. This is when I was at SFA, pretty simple. This is a kid who walked on for us and got drafted by the Rams. It's very simple. Timed it up. And that stuff we – I don't do the old arm out, chop – I mean, we actually work a chop club rip. Yeah. I don't, I don't do any drill that's not realistic to playing the game. Right. I just refuse to do it. Arm over. Gets to the shoulder. This is another kid that was a walk-on who was drafted by the Jets. Club rip or club and arm over, not a club rip, I'm sorry. Just to the shoulder, flip his hips over the top. See here, you'll see Drew Sanders run a – this is a dent rip just to speed. It may be Jatavian up top. I can't remember. That's JT. He just used speed. He knew, he felt like he could get around the horn. He just drops the shoulder, dent rip. Look, can't get past that. That's period one right there, man. Fundamentals. That's just something he's really good at, and we harness it. You know, we keep getting working on it and giving him the tools he needs to make himself better at it. And I, and I think that's you're looking at. You know, you're you're seeing that left tackle has his feet together right at the point where he's where he's executing his move, and that's something you can see on film study. That hey, at this point, this is where his Pass for, this is where his pass pro breaks down, and that's when you, that's when you execute your move, and he's going to be vulnerable, and he won't be able to recover. We feel like if we get to the hip, we should win every time. And JT, JT right here dips his shoulder at the right point, too, right when he's trying to set his punch. And look, you'll see his left hand's trying to get to him, and we, just, we, we, be, we stop the punch. Drew down here on the bottom gets into his speed, and he goes right to a bull, and he's in a position where they're collapsing the pocket. Guys doing what we coach and, and honestly just us both finding out the things that they can do well. You, you can see it really good here. Watch his, watch his dent rip. Just, just dips and under. Doesn't sound like it's a lot, but it's stuff we work on. When you say dent rip, what explain the dent part of that. So it's, just the, it's just the swipe down. You're okay. kind of chopping and you're coming back yeah, up. You. You, may not touch, you may touch air, coach. Yeah. That's all. Yeah. We want you dipping, ripping, leaning. Yeah, I got you. Here's some button jerk. Those slides kind of got out of order. I'll fix them up before I send this to you. But you'll see, watch five right here. We're playing Lone Star again. Get the good old button jerk. Once you feel them pressing on you, we're going to snatch you down. I love that. Love that. Love that pass rush move, especially for interior guys as a, as a good counter to a bull rush. It's the best. My son's a center, and I've taught my son how to do it to defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. He's He's our starting center, and he's perfected it. I mean, he kills people doing it. And you see the defensive end on this side doing it, too. He knows he's got a heavy guy. He's just taking advantage of what they give us. If they're going to set heavy on you, hit him in the mouth, and they're going to be overtly aggressive, then we're going to pop him in the mouth, too, and then we're going to snatch him. Mason there was trying to do a little little uh, stutter and a little euro, and he didn't get what he wanted, but the guy tried to sit it hard on him, so he hits him in the mouth and just jerks him real subtle. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a lot. It just needs to be enough to change the plane. 
And you see, well, in, in 65 right there, that right guard is in survival mode. And so now he's okay. set back, that, that back foot in the ground just to try to keep from falling over. And that's when you got him. Now when you feel that, that foot go in the back, that foot sticks in the, in the ground, now I can snatch him and, and he's done. That's right. As soon as I feel him set, it's over. Yeah. Here's, here, this is another good example of a button jerk. This is really good right here. You, know, you just see hitting him in the mouth, getting that separated, pull him, you know. Pop, pop. The thing that's tried and true, man, I've done it everywhere I've coached, and it works everywhere I'm at and where everywhere I've been, you know. Here's Drew. The whole game, we have been uh, – he had been just kind of bullying and, you know, just clubbing and ripping, and I tell him, look, he's giving you high hands. I want you to swipe him right here. And uh, sure the hell enough, he gets out here and just – you'll see this play just play out. He's down here on the bottom. Swipe. And it's even better in the end zone. Coach, he he was a former uh, wrestler. So Drew knows how to pick you up and throw you down. You'll see he puts every bit of his body into that guy. Yeah. yeah. He'd be, be kicked out in the NFL. I'd say that's a rough, that's a penalty in the NFL. Now, that, that kid's a hell of a competitor, that quarterback, because I mean, we put some hits on him. But that's, again, goes back to some of the things we want to do. We just want to play physical football. And then, again, it goes back to take what they give you, Coach. Take what they give you. Right, right. You see Drew here. I don't know if our box is in the way. He's kind of doing the same thing. At the very beginning, we knew get our hands up. This was the third play of the game, Coach. That's period one right there. <laughs> we teach him how to do that, right? <laughs> That's just all athletic ability, man. But before that ball is snapped, from about right there to right there is what we we talk to him about doing. Yeah, the, rest, the rest is him being a gifted athlete. You know what I mean? Get off the ball, swipe, get your hands up, and good things happen. Some of those got out of some of those got out of order. Uh, here's something you'll see on Baird. Just uh, you know, watch these guys ball get off. And then look, you'll see the the power, the the speed to bull on him right here, Coach. That's a six four, three hundred pound left guard. He's getting double teamed. Watch what he does to him. That's just staying low and having good leverage too. You know. Yeah, yeah. Kind of worked a little bit of a hump if they're riding you. That's them expecting the speed. Now we're going to throw him up the field, and now we get him off his feet, and that's what happens. And he's learned how to do that pretty good. Here's another good one. You'll see Mason right here at Speed to Bull. Uh, this is number five down here on, on the, the D tackle. He's got three people on top of him, and he's able to still make that play. Now, he gets a little high, but his leverage on the guard, his angle is he's kind of up the field, and on his second step, he gets back. I'm either on the second or third step, we're going to get back into that guard. And they're not ready for it because they're bailing. You know what I mean? They're trying right. to back. So you see, in essence, just getting that separation with our hands, working a speed, one, two, three, now I'm in them. They're, you can't really stop that. It's just hard, especially when you got a guy on the other side coming. Now we get into a no situation here, and so you got everybody's got a single block, but – Mason breaks the line of scrimmage first, so the running back tries to help him, but it didn't really matter right there. 
And that's just a pretty picture, man. Of These are things we teach on that third step. Get into them. Collapse the pocket. Don't overrun the quarterback. Here's some more speed to bull. When I was at Stephen M., third step, see what I'm talking about, coach? Yeah, yeah. One, two, three, I'm in them. We're going to collapse the pocket. That's kind of not fair either, especially when you play against guys that vertically set. Now, here's I put this in here just to it, just for the speed to bull counter. We don't want to work past the depth of the quarterback. So if I get to the level of the quarterback, I'll come back under. That's the one time we'll come back under. And it's just an example of just working him, making him thinking he's bailing and flying out of there, and now you come back underneath him. <coughs> I actually saw your guys do that a few times too, you know, just working their advantages. Yeah, yeah. These are just stunt stuff, blitzes, games. Um, I got some pictures of some stuff. We do a deal where we'll we'll stem one way, and then we come back, and you just see we put ourselves in position to make plays. You don't have to say stagnant on the line. In this, this is where we'll read, we'll key the knee coming back. Now that right defensive tackle is looking at that center because that's now his key because he's moving to the left. And he just has to ricochet off that and come get up the field and make a play. And we always talk to him about on any kind of stunts or movements like that. I want to overtly dip, rip, and lean back into that guy just for knowing that he's going to come back on to us, expecting that. Right. This is just what we call tan. This is just moving from one gap to the other. The other one was moving one way. And then going back the other way, this is just being in a position and then still crossing face of the guy. When we do that, I don't like just necessarily throwing a club rip, Coach. You'll see Mason uh, Mason Davis, number five. We work what I, I'll call just like a double rip. So we'll start with a club and a rip. But as I'm throwing that rip, I bring my hand that I clubbed him with back up, just kind of protecting my knees from any kind of cuts, and as well being ready to get my hands extended for anyone coming back at me. And you see him, he does a pretty good job right here based on the block, just getting extension on this guy. He's really perfected that. He had a really good game that game. You see him good right here. And we always talk about taking a 45 and vertical step. 45 and vertical, 45 and vertical. Always gain ground. And you even see the backside D-tackle doing the same thing. He doesn't do as good a job of getting both hands to where he's clearing that guy off of him because he's hanging on him. But you can see the effect of both of what they're doing. The running back doesn't, have, he, he has nowhere to go. Twist games, you'll see the end and the tackle down here. Actually, it's up top. I'm sorry. I taught Jatavian how to do a spin off this just because people were reading some of the things. Instead of just clubbing and ripping, going inside with the, with the eat or a, or a X or a text, whatever you want to call your games, we call it X on. Yeah. Uh, JT got to where he could spin and Coach, it freaks the quarterback out. I mean, look at it. Yeah, that is uh, – not everybody can do that. That's, that's, uh, that's pretty special. And, what, and I have another one who can do it even better. You know, Drew Sanders and Jatavian were just unbelievable at it. And uh, it allows the other guy to, to be free, you know. You can see five. He's looping around. That's Mason Davis to go do his job. We engage them with our eyes and our hands, and then we penetrate, and and we, we'll loop around that way. You'll see some of these other ones uh, that we do, just kind of like picking the twist. Yeah. 
I don't know if it's Jatavian or Drew running it. It's Jatavian's doing it again right here. And he doesn't do it as good as Drew did it, but he, he looks good right there in these two. And he's not as twitchy as you would think. That wasn't easy to kind of teach him, but he got good at it. You, we want that guy to set on him. It's just a variation of how you can run a twist and give it its own wrinkle. Yeah, when well, he's spinning inside, and so that's going to attract that tackle and, and make that make that interior guy come free. Oh yeah, but it doesn't look like your your typical text move, right? Or your, no. or your like what you're talking about. So yeah. that, that's normally we'll just normally we'll just do what Drew's doing up top. Watch watch Drew Sanders up top. One two go. Yeah. And so now when I give the allure of doing a speed and I'm spinning under you, that that just jacks your ass up because we're we're occupying the guard's eyes with just our hands, and as soon as I see Jatavian cleared, now I'm going to loop around him. I feel like everybody knows every single time we're twisting now, though. So you see Drew here is really, really fast and quick. Normally we tell guys sell it up the field one, two, you, you know, just knowing your personnel and making some adjustments. I told him just back up a little bit. It's going to help you with your angle and take one step and go, and you'll see him do it right here. Boom, boom. He got called for a personal foul for that too. He was good for one of those, and I, I didn't necessarily, I didn't mind it. Yeah, he yeah. threw right through the flag. He was a hell of a football player, and he's still. I mean, he's he's gonna be a really good one up where he's at in Alabama. This is where it, it really comes clean up here on the left side. You just see we're picking and pinning. A lot of people worry about you need to get the tackle outside the defense, the offense tackle. No, I'm just going to get vertically through my gap. Yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. They, they can keep contained from, from, that, from that position. If I get stuck, then I'll stop and get outside. But what I don't want to do is if I go running straight outside the offensive tackle, they know it's a twist game right now. Right, exactly. If I can pin them and pick them, now we give ourselves a position to make a play. Absolutely. Yeah, both, totally agree. Both of them might be free. And I can go through a whole progression of stuff if you want to do something and, and talk more detail about that later. Um, this is another game. Uh, uh, this is one of our text games here. Just a good job. This is a young sophomore we have up top. You would like – I always tell our defensive linemen, you should club rip your own defensive lineman. That's how tight the mesh should be with you and him. And this, I don't necessarily like – how much air he has in there, but you see he gets the job done. And we're so sudden that the guys just, I mean, they, they as soon as they see that different color, he don't know what to do. You look at 10. I mean, he's looking down the field. He sees what he wants, and then he sees white, and he's like, oh, crap. And our defensive ends are our best athletes. They're going to, they're you know, they play receiver for us too. This is a three-man game we run. Two guys are going outside contain, and Drew comes under. He'll take a step, and he's underneath the top, the left defensive end. And we really just look for best release on that. Normally, you would want to replace that the shade coming over, but you see how they're sliding to us. So I always would tell Drew, just find the best release and get to where you got to get. And it's so quick, quarterback's going to get the ball out of his hands. Uh, here's the next year, Jatavian's running one right here. One, two. Just right where we need to be. 
Again, you want them on the other side of that guy, but it opens up right there, and that's where we want it. It's going to be either a gap where it clears out. It's a good little change-up mix-up. This is a twist game. I think it's in here just because of Drew's effort. Uh, number 16, you see him. He was up top. He comes out of nowhere. Yeah, we were running a little game. Drew comes under. You just see him come flying in here. This is an inside twist, Coach. Uh, just the tackles, what we actually call twist. Uh, again, three technique would be a penetrator, the shades, the looper, and uh, just another way to get to the quarterback. I'm sure you probably have that in yours. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and we'll do that. Where we're reading, they're reading the center, so wherever the center blocks back. Yeah, every, everything's based on whether I'm the the rapper or the penetrator depends on what that center is doing, and that's been really really effective for us. We'll do both. You see how this one is? Okay, this is this is the normal twist game. We'll do another one where we'll line up two twos on the guards, and yeah. wherever the blocks back, it's just a read game for us. Yeah. Yeah. We did that this year, and it's the first year we've ever done it, and it was very uh, good. Kind of one of the things you just asked me, like, what drills would you do? This is three-point progression. You can just basically see I'm getting extension. Now they're going to get in the stance. That's my buddy, Chris Kasurik, who's coaching D-line with the 49ers. You see him going through what he's actually – what we're wanting from that guy, stepping and replacing, shooting our hands, getting extension. Big thing here is keeping your post hand extended. You don't ever want to take both hands off. You're going to over-exaggerate that post hand and then escape. Those two guys right there were good football players for us too. But, again, anybody can do that. You can see right here, hands are above our eyes. I got my post extended. Flips, flipping my hips a little just to get off the block and clear the block, and then I'm going to club rip or I'm going to rip to escape. This is this is kind of the stuff where I told you where we kind of uh, – not kind of, where we take the technical things and dummy it down for them just to have some quick phrases. You know, we always say eyes, hands, hips, feet. Uh, fight pressure with pressure. That just lets them know don't ever stop your feet. Stay tight to the fight. I don't ever want to be wide from my – key unless my arms are extended because the further away I am from the ball or the further I am from my hips of trying to get through a pass rush or anything like that, it's going to take me longer to get to the tackle. So we always talk about staying tight to the fight. Um, losing your base, you fall on your face. We want to step and replace. I've kind of explained those. Thumbs up, elbows in. I always want to keep my hat and my crack. That just tells them keeping good gap integrity. Sitting and splitting. That's, that's from the uh, you know, the double team, do I got frontside, backside pressure? Same hand, same foot, you know, high hat, low hat. Just real simple things to make it good for them. Ultimately, in all that stuff, you know, it's real simple, Coach. Is it run to me? Is it run away from me? Or is it a pass? Just, just kind of in closing. And so the runs to me or a, or a base block, a reach, and a, and a double team, right? The runs away from me or a bump scoop or cut off or any just just um, like some block back pull and stuff like that. You got to know what you get in those situations so that you can get your hands on the guys, the first set of eyes, and then you get your eyes on the ball. And now you know how to play things. And when it's passed, just pin your ears back and you go get them.
I ultimately feel like it's responsible and incumbent upon us as defense tackles or defensive line coaches or any kind of coach that you go over these things with your guys, with your guys, and you just make sure it's their responsibility, you know, and from an athletic standpoint, it's film, breakdown, install, walkthrough, any endo that you're doing, group work, scout work, weight room, training room, the, the encompassing the team and then just being ready for the game academically, you know, talking about their grades and behavior, study hall, grades reports, teacher conferences, parent conferences, student conferences, accountability, responsibility, you know, what do they want in the future, life after football. And honestly, now what's probably more important than anything is socially, how are they handling things from their family, their home, school, friends, social media, talking to them about how social media can handle you, the people they're hanging around from a friend standpoint, nightlife, how to treat women, doing right, what the perception of it is of you out in the community, being a servant to other and ultimately learning how to manage money and work with money. And that's just trying to be as good a coach as I can with our guys, you know. And uh, we always say this, who wants to be the next son of Ryan? So we, we do a really good job of branding our product and putting everybody that's ever played D-line. And we have our own meeting room. We're the only position group that has our own. Now, the receivers have one now, but it's, they can't they can't touch us because we're the originals and we have we have a dedicated space just for the D line and it's it's a pretty important proud place. You know, when I was looking at your your guys' stuff, I saw that and I love that I love that logo and just the way like you talked about you've branded your position group and I'm sure created some pride and ownership within that by using that. And I think that's just such a cool thing uh, to do and really an important thing for for coaches to do. Sometimes it gets overlooked about you know, how to, how to create that buy-in and that pride in your position group. And I think that's something that, that's, that's really cool. Uh, I got to imagine there's a couple of those, you know, T-shirts with that logo on there floating around the, uh, the field house. There we go. Yeah. Uh, great looking shirt. Always repping. Yeah. You know, it, you know, the big thing was we want – everybody wants to play offense, right? Right. I mean, everybody wants to catch the ball and all that. Like I said, our best players play defensive end too. We want our best players to play defensive line because we got to. I go back to the very beginning of what I said at the, at, at the slides. We want to stop the run, right? And so those guys are so talented that they're also receivers, but we convince them, hey, man, you need to come play D line too. And every one of them, the best players on the wall are guys that have been defensive linemen. Now we've had a lot of great football players, but you know, the proof is in the pudding. And we just take a lot of pride in trying to get them guys to do right. I am by no means all-knowing, but what I take a lot of pride in is just trying to be simplistic with our guys. Sometimes you can know too much and and you try to do too much. And I think once you find what your niche is, as long as you continue to do things like with what you're providing right here, a service and a network for people to to hone their craft, you can get better. You can take maybe one thing uh, from from everything that people say and you just start building your Rolodex of how you want to be as a coach and what you want to be. You know, I always feel like it's a good idea to have a drill menu. You want to have a drill for how to pay a base block. How do you want to play reach block? How do you want to tackle? What tackling drills do you want to have in your menu so that you can teach those things? Escaping, which I think is a lost art. People don't teach kids how to escape off blocks anymore. And I, I feel like you asked me what's one thing we do that really stands out. I feel like we escape because we focus on it and we take a lot of pride in practicing in it. 
and working those post hands and knowing how and when to get off the blocks. I tell our guys, you can't get off the man until you control the man. And right. so, you know, you'll see guys try to get off and they'll let go of both hands and they get flat back. And so we reemphasize again, that's one of those catchphrase words that we say to our guys, you can't get off the man until you control the man. And so, you know, we just beat in those things over and over and over again. It sounds like it's a whole lot, but it's, it's just the same stuff over and over. Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Well, Coach, great stuff. I, I want to uh, – I, I, we got to wrap this up because I keep getting a little notification that my, my disc is is starting to fill up here, and which is a good thing. That means we, we've, we, we've, we've uh, done a lot of good stuff tonight. So uh, thank you so much for, for sharing and, and being so uh, you know, willing to, to share all the, the stuff that you guys are doing. Uh, I know I pulled a lot out of it and, and you know, really appreciate you, uh, you joining us today. Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to, you know, anything to help some D linemen. And our doors are open at Denton Ryan. You know, anybody that wants to come, especially with me being D line coach, anyone that wants any kind of information, again, I'm not all knowing and I'd love to learn from other people. I really enjoy watching other coaches coach and learning from them too. Um, we've, again, you know, everybody say, y'all got all the best players in the world. In 2010, we had one guy sign a D1 scholarship. One guy, and we went to the state championship that year. You yeah, I, you're right. It's 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 uh, the the things that you're talking about, and we talked about today, are, are those things that they they withstand, you know, dips and 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 valleys in your in your in your talent pool, and and allow kids to maximize their potential for sure. And I and and you know, and we'll and we'll get some great ones. There's no doubt, but. You know, you got to learn how to coach the other guys that that don't necessarily have just the physical skill set some of these other guys have. And that's when you know you're fundamentally doing the right thing. And, again, it just goes back to have a three-step process of teaching guys run to me, run away, and pass, and break it down for them in a way where they, it doesn't have to be so overtly complicated for them. No doubt, Coach. Well, Coach, once again, thanks so much, and good luck to you guys uh, in 2021. You too, man. Look forward to seeing you soon. Great stuff from Coach Daylight today. Really appreciated him coming on and, and joining us and and putting on basically what amounted to a full-fledged D-line clinic for you guys today. So, uh, once again, thank you so much, Coach. Uh, you can and should follow Coach Daylight on Twitter, at uh, Coach Delatory. And, and if you want to send him an email or see the full video of our conversation today, complete with uh, film cut-ups and, and slides, then go and check out the show notes of today's episode. There, there are a lot of good things in the show notes each week, by the way, if, if you're not in the habit of checking those out. That's where you can get more information on our guests, uh, learn more about our sponsors, get the link to our merch store. So if you're looking for more from each episode of KYPD, then the show notes is, is the place to look. Now, our quote of the day is short and sweet, so get ready. Here it goes. Do your job. And with that, we will put a wrap on this episode of KYPD. Subscribe now. Join us back right here next week for episode number 94, where I sit down and have a great conversation with a friend of mine in the coaching world as we tackle some topics all coaches face today. So make sure you check that one out. It's going to be a really good episode. Until then, man, whew, bundle up out there. And remember, you can always turn that thermostat up, but you better keep your pads down.